Today on the Topic Show, Bud Light signs a new deal with UFC to be the main sponsor, and both companies are immediately mocked. UAW strike is being controlled by career socialists, while the UAW president, Sean Fain, makes $350,000 per year while wearing a shirt that says, Eat the Rich. Scientists so will lay off an additional 535 employees due to the UAW strike. Bud Light Polish finds 65% would rather cut off their arm than drink at Bud Light. Disney reveals ESPN is their crown jewel for profit, but it's been crumbling away. The Dodge Charger new model will have a six-cylinder option, but no option for a stick shift or a third pedal, also known as how every car should be by default. Spotify beats earning expectations in spite of a price hike. NVIDIA to enter the PC market and challenge Intel. All that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder release twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have the Dodge Charger. Turns out it will get a six-cylinder engine, but no manual transmission, as every car should have by default. Though I guess it's better than them going full EV. Now, of course, they will still have the full EV version, which, again, if they know SEO or search engine optimization or marketing at all, they know how terrible it is to call their EV Charger a Charger, since if you look up EV Charger... Either they will have to pay a lot to be one of the first results in Google or Brave, whatever search engine you prefer. But just think, if you search the internet for EV charger or charger EV, you're not going to get the stupid vehicle. You're going to get a myriad of other products that are very similar in name. So I know most companies aren't great at advertising, but perhaps they listen to some of the customers. For years, Chrysler was the embodiment, and Chrysler, they own Dodge. Of course, they... Well, bankrupt so bad in 2009 they were bought out by fiat now called stellantis being parent company but they used to be the embodiment of listening to the consumers they had the charger and the challenger with a v8 even having a stick shift also known as a third pedal manual transmission what every car should have by default it was brilliant engineering everyone loved it in terms of diversity of portfolio it was unparalleled the gap between what you can buy a dodge charger or challenger for in terms of the entry level model with the V6, which, ugh, I mean, there's a lot, but ugh, I don't know if I would ever want that. The V6, all the way to the Hellcat SRT Banana Falcon Demon, whatever they called it at the end, the gap was over like $100,000. It was a huge offering. You can get whatever you like. The fact that there's not a song parody or a commercial with the automotive company showing the brands, the vehicles they have with the TI song, whatever you like, to sh emphasize the amount of options you have to choose from is beyond me. But again... Perhaps they just need to hire me for marketing or advertising. But nevertheless, this comes thanks to an article on Jalopnik, which purportedly is an automotive blog. Um, but it turns out, I don't know, the more research I do, the more I see it, it kind of just seems like a political hack in terms of their ideologies. And they seem oddly obsessed with Elon Musk. Like, everything he does, they criticize him on. Perhaps that will be the new, I mean, there used to be the Trump derangement syndrome. Perhaps the new one will be the Elon Musk derangement syndrome. It very well may need a prescription. And prescription is manning up, or some hilarious joke I can't think of in real time. Now, nevertheless, this comes from Jopnik. They note that a new report claims the next generation of Dodge's full-size muscle car 
we'll get a turbocharged straight six. So if you're not big in automotives or if you're new to the automotive industry or enthusiasm, congrats. This is one of the most fun groups you can be a part of. And also buy stick shift as soon as possible. It's a rare fun opportunity. You'll never go back. Now, in terms of the configuration of the engine, V6, like it sounds, it's a V. That's where the cylinders are shooting at. Perhaps the most well-known company when it comes to performance in a straight six or a inline six engine in which all six cylinders are straight in a line. Perhaps BMW, I think, would be the longest brand with the affiliation with that type of powertrain. Now, interestingly enough, it's not surprising Stellantis is going to, you know, shove this into the good, oh, fun little pop-ups, into the Charger because, I mean, Stellantis, the parent company, put a lot of research and development into the new engine platform. So they are, it's not going to be only in this vehicle, it's going to be many Stellantis products coming up, which again, Stellantis in the United States is a parent company behind Chrysler Dodge as well as Jeep. And of course, they own even more brands overseas, including, I believe, Fiat Maserati and a lot of other things I can't pronounce, to be honest. Now, it looks like half the article is saying how all the enthusiasts are up in arms saying that it's going to be electric. Because, of course, you're moving away from your core customer. I understand the government is bullying you to do this. But in terms of what people want when it comes to the Challenger and the Charger, they love the V8, the pure, raw beautifulness that is American muscle, albeit assembled in Canada for the most part, including the Camaro. But nevertheless, the consumers loved it. In terms of value, bang for your buck, any horsepower, it was a great thing. If I had an unlimited budget, I would love to have a large displacement vehicle. Subsequently, I, I really do. It's on the vision board. Someday, if I work hard enough, I will get one with a stick shift. Subsequently, right, or right now, I'm driving my Honda, which I love. It's a great vehicle, but inline four, you know, got the stick shift, so it is fun, but... There's something a little lacking when you go on the track and it's a straight line and the instructor's telling you, go, pedal, down, pedal to the metal, go all the way. And you're like, it is. It's got 205 horsepower, maybe 206 after the air intake, but more or less. So you have this brand going against the whole community and the consumers who love the V8s they were making. And, you know, everyone's pissed it's going to be electric. And the puns are ridiculous. They're actually thinking of having engine sounds coming out of speakers. It's comical and ridiculous to say the least. Now, it looks like this article actually references another article by The Drive, and they confirmed that it will have a gas engine, just won't be the V8. Confirmation comes from a, force, a, a source that has insider information from a Dodge supplier who agreed to share information of the condition to remain anonymous. The source confirmed that the Charger will be getting a version of the brand's Hurricane straight switch engine in addition to the electric power plane. Now, they are saying, quote, they're keeping gasoline engines. The official design for the vehicle platform is LB, and it will have a new GME T6 Hurricane inline six in real rear wheel drive and all wheel drive configuration. It'll be using a Stellantis Gen 4 transmission that's rolling out of the Mac assembly in Jefferson North assembly in Toledo North. Also known as an automatic transmission, also known as get ready to yawn because it'll have paddle shifters, which, again, just... Americans, we can, they can use the exercise, presumably. The clutch is a great way to get a couple extra calories burnt off. You gotta slam that thing every once in a while. And also, I would argue, builds character as best enjoyment possible. And you also can't text drive or eat 50 million donuts while driving, which is perhaps why many Americans don't want it. But nevertheless, the drive pointed out that Dodge's hyped EV transition suggested that the era of gas-powered motors come to the end. I mean, it's so sad. Dodge CEO Tim Kanukis. Kaniskis admitted that the platform next generation could handle both gas electric power trains, but maintained that gas power wasn't in the cards. So what changed? Well, yeah, I was going to say what changed is they saw the writing on the walls where every consumer 
Like, there's 10 people who wanted this product to be full electric. And it's so disappointing in terms of a brand loyalty. The previous CEO of Dodge years ago said, yeah, we will always have the V8. We, we know what our consumers want. We make fun, loud cars. We know our consumers. We're going to make what they want. And unfortunately, like many companies, they've acquiesced to government bullying and some people who just don't want other people to have fun. Now, it looks like the twin turbo engine, they already taken it out of the, the twin turbo engine has already replaced the 6.4 liter V8 in the Grand Wagoneer. So they are, Jesus. So they're already ruining that vehicle platform as well. I don't know if you would spend six figures for a luxury SUV with a straight six as opposed to a good old V8. That'll be interesting as well. But a little silver lining. So I can only really hope the aftermarket community, and again, the beautiful thing about engineering and you know, if you have enough money, engineers can do magical things. They're awesome. I mean, mechanical engineers fascinate me in terms of the things they can put together. I can't help if I was extremely extravagant or very well off fiscally speaking, I really hope someone in the aftermarket community makes a manual transmission for this vehicle. I know the cost ROI probably wouldn't be there for that one person to do it one time, but just to show it can be done and just for the smiles per gallon, I think that'd be pretty cool. And again, in terms of offering a unique experience for consumers, man transformation is brilliant because more and more companies are giving up on it. The number of manufacturers offering it is less and less every year. And by the volume of sales, I understand sticks aren't the greatest volume in the United States for sales, but they are actually increasing. And ironically, in part, in thanks to Gen Z buying patterns, which is ironic because a lot of people thought they were the detriment to man transmission. They actually buying it at higher rates than other demographics currently. So it's still under 2% of new vehicles sold in the United States every year new are with a stick shift. But if you are one of the few companies offering it, that's an extra value add. Like Porsche, if you want a sports car with a stick shift, you just have one choice, it's Porsche. You want the new Camaro? No, GM's gonna turn into a four-door EV. New Corvette, that's also an EV hybrid, but it also is only two pedals with their V8 that they have. What about the Mustang? That's true, but you can also debate, is that really like an upper echelon sports car? Mustang won the Pony War for sure, because they're the only one that still has a V8 and still exists. But let me know in the comments, do you think they'll actually acquiesce and make a transmission with three pedals and make the medium transmission for the new Charger? Or will they not? Again, the Pony Wars, is, I, I like to say it's already done, it's because Ford's the only one left, and the only one left actually making a V8 and a stick shift, which I would argue that's they also never discontinued the Mustang, unlike the other brands with Chevy, GM, killing the Camaro a couple times throughout the years. So let me know, are you surprised that Dodge is going to have a six-cylinder option for this? And what do you think the ratio is going to be of people buying the new Charger EV versus inline-six twin-turbo internal combustion engine? Is it going to be a two-to-one ratio? Is it going to be the same? Or as preposterous as it sounds, do you think the EV will actually outsell the ICE engine. I, if I were a gambling man, and when I say gambling, I gamble with myself reinvesting in the business. But nevertheless, if I were a gambling man who placed bets on wagers, these types of events, I would think the outlook for the EV, EV selling the, outselling the actual ICE engine, the odds would be not so good. Other interesting business news, yes, Spotify beating expectations in spite of a price hike. Now, they actually posted a quarterly profit earlier this week on Wednesday, the first time since 2021, 
beating Wall Street expectations by a pretty comfortable margin, and they shot the shares up significantly. It looks like they also notched a 16% year-over-year bump in Spotify premium subscribers, despite raising monthly fees last July earlier this year, which was actually, I believe, the first price hike in the U.S. And I can't fathom, I I'm actually pretty impressed with this. This is most anecdotal experience. Most people I know these days are trying to tighten their belt, try to trim back on frivolous spending or not essential spending. And Spotify premium is certainly the definition of a premium product you don't need especially because they have the free version it just has advertisements in. And depending on your how much you hate advertisements, you can either mute it or just fast forward. So I'm actually fascinated to hear that more and more people are buying Spotify Premium. And I wonder what the long-term track is going to be for Spotify. I mean, this is in spite. They also, I mean, part of the reason that they increased their overall outlook and Wall Street is so happy is they not just increase their sales, but they decrease their costs as well. Now, specifically... They cut about 600 employers earlier this year, as well as spending cuts with the podcasting units they produced in terms of the actual facilities. They spent like oh, a little over 100 of these, $140 million on two studios, which depending on the size and complexity of the studio is ridiculous, especially for podcasting. Part of the fascinating, organic, homegrown feel when you entertain a podcast is that each creator has his, his own environment. It's usually at a a place they create either at their house or their warehouse it, it's kind of part of their persona so to say and well interest i mean from anecdotal experience here i don't rent out a professional studio this is just my everyday office so in front of me i just have my it you know i got my laptop got my monitors got another monitor and another monitor you can never have too many really and it's just kind of i think it's more authentic so i actually don't even know how much demand there is for like a professional podcast studio Depending on the use case, it might actually feel less authentic and the consumers might not even appreciate it when it comes to kind of making a copy-paste like a traditional new studio. Well, let me know in the comments. Do you think that would be a variable people care about when it comes to consuming podcasts? But nevertheless, they spent about $140 million on two studios and subsequently, I believe, looks like they sold it off. So it'll be interesting to see, I mean, how long until Spotify becomes a real juggernaut? And I say real juggernaut in terms of how many podcast platforms or providers will really be left at the end of the day? Earlier this year, we saw Stitcher. They closed down completely after they were recently acquired, I believe, by the parent uh, Sirius XM Radio, which is already a combination of two companies to begin with, with that acquisition years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how many people continue to buy Spotify Premium, which, I guess, fun reminder, this show is also on Spotify. So let me know in the comments, do you already pay for Spotify Premium? And if you don't, is that something you'll probably increase in the next couple of months? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have NVIDIA to make PC chips in a new attempt to rival Intel, which is going to be a fantastic battle of informational technology. NVIDIA has basically, been, I don't know if they necessarily created, well, you could debate if they actually created the graphics design or graphic uh, graphic chip manufacturer segment, but they sure as hell perfected it. Now, if you need a new chip for your computer or rather a new graphics card for your computer, odds are it's an NVIDIA. When I built the podcast PC or my editing PC, where I actually edit these in addition to the interview podcast I host, some of the episodes, you know, between 10 and if it's an interview with the high resolution cameras, 756 gigs for about one day, uh, one um, hour show. And when it comes to looking at graphics cards, I mean, 
there's really one company out there who makes the best. Now, interestingly enough, I say make, they're, I think, most well-known for the design and architecture in which they will create it in-house and then they will license it. So in my particular case, I actually got a Gigabyte graphics card, which Gigabyte is a manufacturer and they basically pay a license to NVIDIA who designed it, which in terms of a profit margin as a company is even better for NVIDIA because they get the benefit without having to have that huge cost of manufacturing. They still make their own chips, don't get me wrong, and there's still cards, and they've been dominating the industry. So they had a couple of booms that exponentially raised their price point for a share of stock beyond $400 per share, which in terms of astronomical growth, I can't fathom beating that. I mean, again, stock changes on a near minute basis. As of the recording of this episode, it's $417.70 per share with a market cap of $1.03 trillion, which is a huge feat in and of itself. There's less than, I believe, less than 15 businesses currently around who have passed that trillion dollar mark. Perhaps the most famous one known that everyone likes is Apple. They passed a trillion, then recently they actually passed a three trillion, which is a huge accomplishment in and of itself. Now, when it comes to the, in the past five years, NVIDIA, their stock's gone up 742%, which, gosh dang, hindsight's always 20-20 when it comes to, you know, stock investments or many things in life. But geez Louise, if I was more active in gambling on other, on other people, I would definitely have bought their stock. I mean, in the past year, it's gone up 214%. And they started at $132 a share, which at the time I thought that was a huge amount of money relative to the stock. And now it's at 417. So needless to say, they were wildly successful. They've had a couple of booms help the company as well in terms of culture and industry trends. When it comes to the Bitcoin mining, well, you need a really good graphics card to do that. They're the de facto industry leader, so a lot of people purchase those. And with AI, that's a whole nother application. So there's a lot of industry, industry trends that are exponentially helping this company grow and develop. Now, interestingly enough, when it comes to the processing power that you and I perhaps know best, the most popular one for mobile devices is Qualcomm. I believe the Snapdragon, I forget the model number, but that's probably the one that people have the most experience with when it comes to hands-on. When it comes to the computer that you use, as well as, well, as long as you're not using Apple, which makes their own, most, my, most common one bar none when it comes to a processor for your computer, is going to be Intel. I mean, they've been around, shoot, since the beginning of time, or so it seems. Now, the other, only really other competitor to Intel is AMD, which they've done great, especially in data centers. That's where your information is actually, remember, there's no such thing as a cloud, just someone else's computer. That's where all your information is actually stored in a good old data center somewhere on a server where they actually has a good old little processors on there. And rudimentary speaking, just simply put, it's very similar to your laptop, just a little bit more stronger, different architecture, all that kind of stuff. Now, interestingly enough, those two companies have majority market share and NVIDIA, they want to enter that market. Now, specifically, they want to market ARM-based PC chips and challenge Intel. Now, it looks like, let's see here. This is coming from an article in Reuters. And of course, they know how NVIDIA already dominates the market for the AI computing chips. And now this is Intel's brand buyer. They decide they're going to go after them. Now it looks like NVIDIA has been quietly designing a central processing unit, oh, CPUs, that would run Microsoft's Windows operating system and use technology from ARM Holdings, ARM Holdings, to people with the matter familiar with who are telling uh, routers. Now they claim that NVIDIA and AMD could 
Yeah. See, Advanced Micro Devices, AMD, also plans to make chips for PCs with ARM technology, according to two people who are familiar with Matter. NVIDIA and AMD could sell PC chips as soon as 2025, people familiar with Matter said. NVIDIA and AMD will join Qualcomm, which has been making ARM-based chips for laptops since 2016. And they said at an event on Tuesday that the attended Microsoft executives, including VP of Windows and Devices, Pavan, Qualcomm plans to reveal in more details about the flagship team and that a team of ex-Apple engineers designed, according to someone familiar with Matter. And of course, the stock went up exponentially as well. So it'd be interesting to see. I'm not sure about the, I think in terms of, well, in terms of consumer products, the profit margins probably are not, not gonna be good, as good as the traditional products they have been making. But in terms of dominating the industry and becoming even larger than most tech companies can ever possibly fathom, It'll be interesting to see how quickly they can realistically get the product to market. And in that case, how quickly will it be adapted? How quickly until the companies like Dell and Hewlett Packard and Lenovo, what are those buyers gonna do when they evaluate this new technology as they're trying to plan out for the future, take into account customer demands and what type of things are we gonna be doing on our laptops in these coming, in the next coming years? It'll be fascinating to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the culture podcast, you have Bud Light buys into being the UFC sponsor in 2024 via a tweet announcement, and both companies are immediately ratioed, as the youth might say. Now, specifically, they actually have a little text tweet before the actual picture in which Bud Light says, quote, we're proud to announce that starting in 2024, we'll once again be in the be the official beer sponsor of the UFC. And the picture is someone opening a Bud Light. Interestingly enough, the beer is getting onto the person's hand. However, I do not see any signs of abrasion or skin melting off, which has been a not unsubstantiated rumor. If you drink Bud Light, there are many side effects. I can only imagine. I can't fathom. I would never, I perhaps would not even dare. But interestingly enough, the person does not appear to be, you know, dying. Now it says, we're back, and it's got the UFC logo. Ooh right next to the Bud Light. It looks like the OC logo is in Bud Light Blue. Which again, when you're looking at, oh, talking about the business blunder of the century, we'll get we'll cover the topic in nauseum during the business blunder of the podcast earlier, later today. But in terms of this specific instance where we're talking about the tweet, it got 234,000 views and 612 likes, which presumably is from all 612 people we still work at Anisha Bush and Bev. Now, in terms of a you know percentage of how many people who like it saw it, I know public test scores at public schools, their test scores are at all time low. I mean, math, history, science, even the ACT scores at a 32 year low, but the teachers unions say they deserve raises. Interesting. Now, that being said, we'll do a little bit of fun math here today and provide more value than some public schools. Not all, but some. So we're gonna take 612 people who saw it and divide it by 234,000. That gives us a number of 0 0.002615. However, let's turn it to a percentage. We're going to multiply that by 100, which means 0 0.2615 people who viewed this post clicked the like button, also known as not a great ratio. If you feel so inclined, you can actually round out. So we'll just say it's 0.2615, we'll say 0.26, which is a good rule of thumb. Now, I wonder what the comments will be. I mean, Bud Light, they certainly know their customers. They must be doing something right. I mean, 
Perhaps this is their new, this shtick will work. People will embrace this and it'll be wildly successful beyond our possible comprehension. I wouldn't gamble on it, but let's dive in and see what the responses look like. Dear God, a real response is positive? We shall have to investigate. Some by the name of Beach Bum, which gets an F for marketing. They neither show the beach nor a bum. They show a monkey. Now this person says, quote, we love to see this. And they actually, oh, poor son of a bitch. Pardon the French. But they actually they tagged Dana White, which again, I'm shocked he, I, I'm pretty shocked he actually had, it'd be interesting to see how much of a part he played in this approval, but I'm shocked this happened for a myriad of reasons. Now, that got 10 likes. And Bud Light responded saying it's good to be back. They got 21 likes. Really? Let's look at this beach bum who, eh, instead of an F, I give him a D plus for marketing. Their profile picture, the landscape on their profile picture for LinkedIn, or not LinkedIn, I was going to say Diet LinkedIn, also known as Twitter, it is of a beach. A little redemption, not much. Now, this person has 1,990 followers, though, quality over quantity. I think my 300 are much better than his. Now, looks like he retweeted something for basketball a painting a painting okay sports ball stuff a Beatles album all right so I'll be damned it's a real person well I, I don't really know much about their character however it appears to actually have some thoughts I'll be damned all right so that's one real response Dolores Adriel, or Adair, this person says, yes, as it should be, we're so glad you'll be sponsoring UFC again. Does this person get paid from the UFC? Let's explore. This person's profile has 572 followers. This person is a computer technician, avid reader, wife and grandma. Interesting. And we found... the hell? A giveaway Oh, what's a nice way of someone who does something for a very low price? I'll let you in the comments take that away. But nevertheless, this person perhaps is not technically a robot, but in terms of mental capacity and personality, maybe emulates a robot, pun moderately intended, using the word emulate. Now, I say that because all of these posts from this person are for giveaways and reposts. For if you repost this, we'll give you a chance to win some stupid gift card. So, in terms of being a real Bud Light fan, I would say not, yeah, not so much. Now, some, some of the more interesting real comments, some by the name of Eight Notables. Now, this person simply said one word, nah, unquote. That person got 65 likes, simply saying, nah. Charlie Kresgen said, quote, virtual, or sorry, I was going to say, I don't know if it's, it's certainly not medically tested, but if you click the subscribe button, it might help with my stuttering. It's, it's not a Mayo Clinic test. We don't know about that. However, it might help if you click that button there or there. I don't know what phone orientation you have or how your computer orientation or your monitor orientation is. But nevertheless, it should be somewhere on the screen, presumably. Now, Mr. Charlie Kreskin said, quote, Virtue signaling is what got you in this mess in the first place. You clowns will never learn, unquote. Additionally, this person did use a clown face and a smiley, laughy emoji. That person got 135 likes. Some by the name of Julia says, rest in peace, UFC, getting 17 likes. 
shoulder to the stone and says, quote, I thought this was a joke. I guess the UFC will do anything to grow, but I won't be part of it. UFC 294 was my last PPV buy. What a shame it will, will bring fans away from the product. Plus, Modelo is actually a good beer, unquote. Getting 133 likes. One of the most popular responses comes from Brad Morgan saying, quote, will Dylan be the ring girl, quote, unquote, quote, within a quote, within a quote. And this person has a picture in which you have Dylan Mulvaney holding the iconic Bud Light can, well, now infamous Bud Light can, with a UFC hat tilted on the top of Dylan's head. And of course, the hat's brim is not even curved. So I think the youth might call that hip, I believe. That got 252 likes. John Michael Gibson says, just plainly enough, this person says, quote, please go away. 179 likes. Someone named JL says, haha, no, getting 160 likes. His shadow saying, quote, so I'm guessing it's bring your own bag to UFC events. No way I'd ever drink a Bud Light, unquote, getting 103 likes. Pascal says, quote, no more UFC, unquote, getting 114 likes. Darth Dividend on YouTube saying, quote, it will take years to fix your reputation. This won't help, unquote. 233 likes. Biggest Dickus saying, quote, but aren't you that trans beer, unquote, getting 376 likes. Someone else says, breaking news, UFC has gone woke. And they also have pictures generated by AI in which you have Dana White surrounded by copious amounts of beer cans and money. Got 50 likes. Mike the Diver saying, quote, I hear it only cost you $100 million to get that back and still no one will be drinking that garbage juice, unquote. Getting 139 likes. Though, in full transparency, it technically is not juice. It's more of a... Infected pond water be a more appropriate metaphor. It is not a juice. Nevertheless, just a full transparency. Christopher says, quote, it won't help too little too late, unquote, getting 155 likes. I'm trying to see. Ooh, Rink says, quote, from Modelo, brewed for those with a winning spirit, to Bud Light, LMFAO. Getting 132 likes. XDMMA saying, quote, maybe on paper, but Modelo will always be the fans' beer of the UFC. Cheers to those with a fighting spirit, unquote. Getting 164 likes. And Kenny Fletcher saying, ouch, are you trying to hurt the UFC? Woke trash, unquote. Getting 127 likes. Uh... A lot of people, I forget, I forget the gentleman, the doctor, person who's really a doctor in real life who became an actor, I believe most presumed, most famously known for the Hangover films, but they have a gif in which he is in a classroom and he, you know, the cliche as an elementary school joke where he just pulls up his hands making a microphone saying gay. They got 94 likes, a very successful gif or gif as you might call it. And so the good news is the engagement is there. Many people are engaging. So Perhaps someone at Bud Light is paying themselves on the shoulder and be like, hey boss, we got engagement up. And they're just praying to God, please don't ask a follow-up question. Please don't ask a follow-up question. Inevitably, well, maybe that's the issue with Bud Light. They never ask a follow-up question like, great, Johnny, or more realistically, Karen. How is the uh, campaign doing? Well, um, uh, everyone hates it. Um, 
A lot of people make fun of the UFC, so it looks like we're actually dragging that brand down with us. And needless to say, when it comes to the ratio of people who like this versus not like it, they were, as youth might say, ratioed completely. It'll be interesting to see how long they continue to drip. Because again, they're paying $100 million for this. This is going to be part of many social media campaigns for Bud Light. Presumably, they're going to want to get their money back. Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, realistically, I don't think they can make any profit on that specific campaign. It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting culture news you have. Disney reveals ESPN is their crown jewel for profit. However, that is somewhat crumbling. Now, specifically, this is from an Axios article in which they say that Disney is revealing the size of ESPN's business for the very first time. This is more and more shareholders are starting to wonder, Disney, where the, what, what are you doing? You're losing $2 billion on movies? How inebriated are you? Or perhaps just ideologically inclined is more accurate. Or Now, in terms of a brand endorsement or a brand deal, why Bud Light isn't the official beer of Disney is beyond me, based on the company's values and their core intended audience. Let me know, do you think that, that might be a successful campaign for Bud Light? One would think. Now, it looks like, Let's see here. ESPN delivered more profit. Wow. So they delivered more than $16 billion for Disney's fiscal 2022. That ended October 1st, 2022. And $2.9 billion in profit. The vast majority of that income came from its domestic business. By comparison, Disney's entertainment business, which includes streaming services, linear TV, TV movie studios, brought in $39.6 billion in revenue, but $2.1 billion in profit during the same period. Wow. That shows you the vast ineptitudes of most of Disney. That's a little bit more than double the revenue and less profit. That's almost as inept as the U.S. government. Now, that bar is so low. Again, the U.S. is over $30 trillion in debt thanks to Democrats and Republicans. It's That, that bar is so low. I don't know if a private company could realistically do that. Though, Bud Light and Disney are sure giving them a run for their money. That is astronomical. Now, they also noted that ESPN's business relies on car carrier fees from the cable TV over advertising. So, that's not good because, again, most people in America are starting to cut the cable. A cliched uh, saying in and of itself. However, it is true. When people are getting new houses or moving into new houses, I mean, they're just not signing up for that service. I mean, I've been renting, unfortunately, I'm in a situation where I'm renting a house. And I didn't even think twice when I was signing up for services. I, I just I have no need for cable. Yet alone watching sports balls on an overpriced ESPN where they just talk about, well, perhaps I should because they talk about politics and I find that part interesting, but they're not giving the product I, that they are purportedly intending, which is sports balls entertainment. Now, they go on to say that ESPN makes most of the revenue with Disney Sports segment. Within that segment during the fiscal year, majority of the revenue came from affiliate fees and the, the cable programmers paid to distribute ESPN $10.79 billion versus advertising $4.4 billion and subscriptions and other forms of income coming in at $2.1 billion. The carriage fees are becoming tougher for TV networks to negotiate as cord cutting accelerates as made evident by the messy financial dispute between Disney and Charter last month. Now, again, this is coming as Disney's CEO or returning CEO, Bob Iger, saying, well, maybe we need to sell off ABC and a couple of these legacy pieces of the business. Well, in this case, 
based on how much profit they're making from ESPN, I wouldn't think that'd be smart to sell that particular part of the business. Certainly ABC, I have no idea how many people watch that news network these days. But talking about the big picture, Disney is still claiming the investors that they expect their streaming efforts to turn a profit in 2024. We'll see. I mean, they're on the right, I was about to say they're on the right path, but that, I don't think that describes Disney in any iota. They're making some of the right calls, but again, when it comes to their streaming platform, they're raising the prices, which when you look at the comments, anecdotally speaking, when I look at social media, most of them are eviscerating them for raising prices. And at a certain price point, people just won't purchase the product anymore. Now, they also say that Disney last month nearly doubled its investments in its theme parks and cruise lines. Disney Experiences Division earned $28 billion in revenue for the fiscal quarter, 2000, fiscal year, sorry, 2022. And 7.2 billion in profit, which makes sense why they recently said they're going to double down and have such a big investment in their fiscal parks. Perhaps the parks will also, well, fiscal pun intended, they are also, also fiscal attractions. Finance joke, kind of. Play on words. Nevertheless, interesting enough. So it'll be interesting to see is Disney's trying to struggle with how they pivot and how they actually make a profit. What are they going to feed and what parts of the business are going to grow to make a profit? And what others might they divest or sell off? It will be interesting to see, but as a wise man once said, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, a Bud Light poll shows 65% of people prefer cutting off an arm versus drinking a Bud Light, which you could also argue the health benefits of each of those approaches. I mean, I can't fathom actually drinking a Bud Light, which is another ironic thing about the Bud Light shoot stakes where they're trying to buy back customers by giving away copious amounts of beer. I can't help but wonder what I would do if I won a case of Bud Light these days. I think one of my most favorite ideas was to use it as ballast for a hot air balloon in which you could actually, you know, just cut the cord or, you know, throw the Bud Light off the wicker basket to help you fly a little bit higher. Now, subsequently, it might fall and hit someone in the head, which you could also argue is less detrimental to their health than consuming the product as this, I was going to say, intended. Now, interestingly enough, it looks like this poll changed a little bit since the I did the headline. It's now got 2,184 votes. And it looks like the five, actually is four hour, a couple hours left before they close the polls. But this, it's still 63.8% say they would rather cut off their arm than consume a Bud Light. Now, I know U.S. public schools are all-time low in terms of their testing of pretty much every category, including history, math, and science. But they are very good at ideologies, perhaps as important. That, that, that's a joke, because obviously schools should be teaching, you know, math, science, history. But nevertheless... Because they're such lacking and so inept, many of them, we'll do a little bit of fun math here today. So if 63.8% of people said they'd rather cut off their arm than consume a Bud Light, that means by the inverse, also known as the opposite, you do a little math, you take the total percentage, which adds up to 100%, you subtract 63.8%, that means that 36.2% of people would rather drink a Bud Light than cut off their arm. Now, there are some nuances to this poll that we should take into account. We don't know where on the arm they would cut off. I mean, that could be... I mean, there, there. I mean, that's more the wrist, but your arm, is it the forearm? Is it the whole thing? I mean, further research might be needed on the preferences of Americans when it comes to Bud Light. Now, in terms of the likes, you got 77 likes from this poll. And I can't help but think, the comments should probably be moderately amusing. So let's dive in. Some by the name of Everything Republican, and in terms of marketing, they get a... A minus. It's pretty accurate. Their emoji, or rather the profile picture on Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it these days, is of a elephant. 
Makes sense. That's a brand name, which also speaks to U.S. politics. Donkeys and elephants. Majestic creatures. Really? Nevertheless. Now, everything Republican says, quote, the arm can be sewn back. The Bud Light, though, that's forever. Unquote. This person got 13 likes. Birds of Accord says, quote, I mean, I could always spit it out, unquote. Got two likes. Let's see here. Someone uh, by Stephen Mello says arms are overrated, unquote, getting two likes. Lundang saying, quote, um, I'm not cutting off my arm, getting three likes. Let's see. Some by the name of Glitch Daddy saying, quote, I want to know who all is saying they'd rather cut off their arm. I'm looking for new subjects to brainwash into doing my bidding, and they seem perfect, unquote, getting five likes. Well, perhaps that person has just never really tasted a Bud Light. Granted, it's been years for me, but the trauma still haunts me to this day. Pun? Joke? Fact? Fiction? You decide. Let's see here. Eh, looks like overwhelmingly. She raised a question. What would you do? Would you rather consume a Bud Light or chop off your arm? Two equally horrific options. I shudder to try to, I shudder just imagining either one of them. Now going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Stellantis, also known as Chrysler, will lay off three, 525 additional employees due to the ongoing UAW strike. Now, of course, this is after the UAW wanted a mere 80 to $100 billion in wages and benefits over the next four years, which would subsequently bankrupt the big three each and every one of them, because it's 80 to 100 billion per manufacturer, because the contracts are per manufacturer. Now, it looks like this latest, and again, that's why there's a strike, the company said, yeah, this will bankrupt us, and the UAW says, too bad, we want it. Now, Solantis announced this is from CBS News Detroit. Now, it looks like, according to the automaker, 400 employees at the Sterling Stamping Plant and 125 employees at the Warren Stamping Plant have been temporarily laid off due to the ongoing strikes at the at the Sterling Heights assembly plant, which, in terms of moves on the political chessboard, Sean Fain is, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to do best. I mean, instead of paying everyone not to work and, you know, carry around signs making $500 per week, which I can't fathom making so much for doing so little, but nevertheless, instead of paying everyone to do that, well, you just kneecap some of these factories and kneecap some of the supply chain so that the factories cannot operate, thereby bringing the companies to a halt. So, in terms of what his goals are, I guess it makes sense. Now, specifically, it looks like on Monday, October 26th, earlier, 6,800 union members were walked or called to strike at the Sterling Assembly Plant, which is known for making the Dodge Ram, which is a Ram 1500, the most po- their most popular truck, which again is one of the most important parts of our automotive community is what do you make in terms of trucks and SUVs? That's where a lot of your profit comes from. No one's making a living selling a Toyota Corolla in terms of profit margin. Don't get me wrong, those things are bulletproof in the last a quarter of a century, a million miles, we take care of them, which is why they're a great, you know, great family vehicle. They're also not made by a union, so, you know, a little bit better ROI, you don't have to worry about parts or anything because, you know. But nevertheless, when it comes to trucks, they're paramount to the profitability of these businesses. Now, it looks like in total, 2,045 slices employees have been temporarily laid off, and it'll be interesting to see, in terms of consumer demand, how many people are going to maybe 
cut back on buying their next truck. It'd be interesting to see, but in terms of the, it'd be interesting to see in terms of also the political ramifications. They might have less money to give to politicians in 2024, which would be the detriment because that's a big part of the UAW. Let me know in the comments. What do you think the layoffs will increase because of these types of domino or ripple effects? I would say, if I'm a gambling man, I would say the odds for that are, unfortunately, they're pretty good. Other interesting political news, you have the UAW strike being controlled by career socialists and Sean Fain making about $350,000 per year while wearing a shirt that says, Eat the Rich. And I did some fact-checking. He is, in fact, not the uncle or boyfriend of AOC, also known as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who famously is a very successful politician and social media personality. And she wore a dress that said, Eat the Rich, while she herself is rich. Perhaps these people just can't see their irony or their hypocrisy? I, it's beyond fathom, to say the least. Now, this comes thanks to the DailyMail.com, which, A-plus for marketing, you know exactly what they do. They give you mail on the daily. Makes sense. Now, this is coming from their writer by Louis Pennick, saying, quote, Career socialist activists are pulling the strings on the UAW strike that cost the economy $7.7 billion and claimed 6,000 jobs. Eat the rich union leader on $350,000 salary is being advised by hardcore left-wingers who want class warfare, unquote. Which makes sense. We've been covering the Sean Fain interviews or the live streams since the inception of the UAW strike, and the vernacular he uses is a political vernacular. And granted, many would say his, many, many, maybe, would say his career is basically a glorified divorce attorney to create conflict between the two groups, and that's how he profits and, I was gonna say, proves the justification for their existence. But it'll be interesting to see who are these politicians. Well, you probably know many of them. Now, it looks like they have also ordered, now the ticker in terms of how many employees are paying not to work or UAW workers, well, hard to delineate when they're working or not working depending on what they're doing. But nevertheless, it looks like about 30,000 workers have been walked off thus far, part of the UAW strike. Again, that strike is between the big three, or well, it used to be the big three when they were big. Don't get me wrong, they still are, but they used to be darn near monopoly in terms of global market share. But you had uh, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis. Used to be Chrysler, but they went bankrupt so bad in 2009, partially because of the union, that they were bought out by Fiat in Europe. And that company, holding company, became a holding company, rebranded itself to Stellantis recently. Now, in terms of specific, some of Sean Fain's closest advisors, and remember, he's the elected president of the United Auto Workers. Now, some of his closest advisors, cynically termed, New York intellectuals by critics have little or no experience in Factory 4s or as UAW members, which, I mean, again, it makes sense. They're politicians. But nevertheless, let's see here. And they sources with sources which knowledge of the auto worker contract negotiations claim that the advisors do not have the workers' best interests at heart. Which, again, that makes them the perfect metaphor. Well, no, they just are politicians. They, they're just doing what they want for themselves. Which, hilariously, you see the same group of politicians say, oh yeah, we care about the little guy, but they have the policies that actually destroy the middle class and destroy the lower income. Perverse incentives are terrible. But nevertheless, getting back to the actual article. Now, the strikes could rub a lot of weeks, and some analysts are saying they cost the U.S. economy $7.7 billion, according to some analysts. Many union members who are earning... Interesting how they're framing this. They're saying they're earning just $500 per week. You're getting $500 per week to stand there with a sign and a t-shirt? That's a pretty good deal, if you ask me. You know, back in my day, earlier in my career, I made a lot less for doing a lot more work. And since I'm self-employed, depending on how the business is doing, I would argue, eh, some, things, some weeks are like that too. It's one of the variables when you have a small business is 
you control your own faith and some, you know, the highs and lows of rollercoaster. But nevertheless, it looks like Sean Fain, who is 54, was narrowly elected as UAW president in March and was paid around $350,000 by the union last year. And he's carved out the reputation as a revolutionary leader through his ambitious demands and appearances at rallies while wearing a t-shirt that says, eat the rich. Which again, there are only very few examples of when it's appropriate to wear a t-shirt. And one of these cases we covered in the live stream, he was in his office. So he was in his office wearing a t-shirt. Ridiculous. Everyone knows that every man worth his salt suits up. Always. It's one of those things that you can call a lot of money. You can go to a Goodwill store and get one for, I believe, under a hundred bucks. I mean, but nevertheless, Sean Fain, he even had the UAW logo on it, which again, in terms of being a socialist organization, many would say, it's on brand. So this is, a lot of people ask me in the comments, why do I think this is political content? Well, they overwhelmingly help politicians get elected, which is ironically hilarious because those politicians are pushing EVs and banning the most profitable things the UAW makes, as well as causing hyperinflation. So ironic and hilarious, they're causing the things they complain about the most. And yeah, he has Eat the Rich on a UAW branded t-shirt, which again, for marketing makes sense. He's a politician doing what politicians do. I just, I also am starting to think that the average union member may start to realize perhaps he doesn't have their best intentions at heart. Perhaps they're asking so much, it very well may bankrupt the companies again. Because again, GM and Chrysler went bankrupt in 2009 in part because of the high absorbent cost of the unions. Not just the cost of paying someone $75 to put a tire on a car, which is ridiculous in full transparency. That is a mixture of their actual cash wages as well as the myriad of benefits they get. But this is not industry competitive and also just ridiculous. Now, in terms of this actual article, you have, of course, the master, they say that the mastermind behind Fain's approach is believed to be his de facto in chief, Chris Brooks, who is pictured here left with Bernie Sanders, who has never contributed anything to society because he's been a leech just pushing for socialism. I don't believe he's ever created a job or really done any really true work in his life. Just leeching off, oh, leeching off others who work for a living, which is perhaps the best metaphor for socialism. Now, he has been nicknamed Sean's brain for his influence over the UAW leader. Now, they say that controversy around his leadership began weeks before he was elected when he suddenly fired a team of his closest advisors, including several veterans of the union and auto industry, and it surrounded himself with social activists. Some have made careers out of so socialist activism with, with a previous roles as writers, commenters, and members of Bernie's 2020 presidential campaign. Some critics have termed them carnies for apparently jumping from organizations to push their hard left agenda, then move on. It's an interesting nickname. I'll go with it. Leaked private messages and strategy documents written by members of Fane's inner circle reveal their goal is to launch unprecedented strike action, keep car companies wounded for months, and purge union staff who don't agree with their radical approach. Which, I was going to say, another perfect example of socialism. Purge everyone who is not the same as you. Now, Fane has also deployed a new approach in the industrial action by graduating, gradually increasing the number of union members on strike rather than calling out for a full walkout immediately. The mastermind behind Fane's approach is believed to be his de facto in chief, Chris Brooks, 39. Again, he's nicknamed Fane's brain, which I was going to say any substitute perhaps is better. I don't know. Now, Brooks, who is often sits behind Fane at negotiations with the Big Three, is a left-wing journalist, activist, and one-time member of the Bread and Roses Caucus of the Marxist organization within the Democrat Socialists of America. The DSA recently drew fierce criticism for allegedly sympathy some mem members towards Hamas. 
you, I was gonna say, the beautiful thing about free speech is that the more speech you allow, the more you know someone. Which is why I'm always an advocate of, yes, let everyone speak, then you'll know their true intentions. Now, it looks like a labor study graduate, Brooks was previously a field director of News Guide of New York and wrote for Labor Notes and other left-wing publications. Which again, there's a, such thing as a labor studies graduate. Ridiculous to say the least. And people wonder why there's so much debt. Let's see here. Another recent recruit, U U UWA communications director Jonah Furman, joined after a stint as an organizer for Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign. Furman, who drafts media statements for Fane, has been referred to as the shadow president of Jonah by activists. Fane is also flanked by negotiations Benjamin Dector, a lawyer who serves as the union's outside counsel. Dector described himself on Twitter as an aspiring conciliary to the working class, making my mob metaphor all more apt. Let's see here. Lawyer serves Dector. So is anyone really surprised? Let's see. Lead transition. Yeah, lead transition plan. A transition plan written by Brooks after Shane's election outlines his vision for the complete rebranding of the union, defining defined by the best contract campaign in Big Three has seen since 1946. Everything we do, quote this from Brooks. Quote: Everything we do at every stage must be reinforcing the message there is a new sheriff in town. Heads are going to be spinning, and how fast change. How fast things are going to change, unquote. We have a new story. We have to tell a story of the new AW, rather. Reformers are reviving the original vision of the UAW as a force of racial justice and rank and file power. We saw the power shut down industry and blah, blah. And that power has solely bypassed leaders, it has. So, I don't want to say I told you so or it makes sense now, but yeah, it kind of makes sense now. I mean, all the rhetoric, all the vernacular that Sean Fain's been doing turns out perhaps the puppet had different strings all along or rather someone else's point yeah some puppet metaphors to be inserted for sure now it would be interesting to see do the regular union members really start to see through this and see their true colors as sean fain again making 350 grand per year while wearing a shirt that says eat the rich and asking for demands that would literally bankrupt the big three again Although for clarity, Ford didn't go bankrupt in 2009 like the others. They were saved by a loan that was very, in terms of timing, perfect timing when they took out the loan. Now it'll be interesting to see. Now in terms of the comments, uh, let's see here. I wonder, do you, might, do you think there's a lot of support for this in the comments section? This is a different, usually we talk about the YouTube comments section or the Twitter comments section. In this case, we have the Daily Mail comments section. Let's dive in. The first one, that, or the one that has the most likes thus far is the Miniar Christ. Nevertheless, this person says, quote, makes 350K leached from the labor of others and wears a eat the rich shirt. His followers are an advanced level of naive sheep, unquote. Getting 14 likes and zero down likes or down votes. Unleaded 92 says, quote, it's cute that the elite pretend to care about the working class. The union members are being used by clout chasers who are seeking more power for themselves, this is an elite on elite battle, unquote, getting 11 likes and zero down likes. Some named Wally Bears, unquote, hire scabs and to train the robots, F the union, unquote, getting 12 likes and zero down votes. Although, I should clarify, scabs is a pejorative term. I think we should call them band-aids. 
since that's what they do much better. Let's see here. Wally Bear also says, quote, electrician union worked on my job. Four guys watching, one dude working. Main guy kept coming, asking the same questions over and over. One week, barely anything got done. Hired two private electrons. Job done in two days. If anyone says they're union, I do not hire them, unquote, in all caps. 13 likes and zero downlikes. Some by the name of Vincel Neal saying, quote, fire them all, move factories to right to work stakes, build cars, unquote. 11 likes, but one down like. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's see if there's any more comments here. Some by the name of Fry Cook Chef saying, quote, this is why Bezos is building a fleet of robots to work in his warehouses, unquote. Getting four likes. So interesting how the audience can vary. On YouTube, I noticed the comments are overwhelmingly supportive of the union. And interestingly enough, on here, it seems to be much more against the union. Although perhaps this video might surprise me we will, now that people kind of know the true colors of the UAW and what they're becoming more of, perhaps, well, your opinion shift. I'd be fascinated to hear, do you still support them? Or is your support fleeting? Or now are you more supportive of the big three who are struggling just to stay around and try to compete with Tesla, which is eating everyone's lunch and presumably their dinner too? It'd be interesting to see, but be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Although, on another good metaphor note, in true socialism standards, the UAW is also the one that censors all their comments for Sean Fain. You can't dare say anything against them. Their comment section is always locked. And of course, they don't even tell you how many likes the video has. They disable that as well, presumably so that all 18 people can't show their support for Sean Fain. So, unlike socialists or Marxists, I always believe in freedom of speech for everyone, even if I don't agree with what they are saying. Check out some of the comments section. You'll see many of the statements are perfectly against me. However, because I'm an American, I actually believe while I might not agree with what you're saying, I'll fight to the death for you right to say it. I never disable my comment section on these videos. So let me know what you have to say. It'd be fascinated here. Now going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Bud Light and the UFC sign a multi-year deal as we go through the business breakdown. Now this comes thanks to an article on CNBC, and they specify that the deal goes into effect January 1st and comes after the brewery is a futile attempt to come back from the business blunder of the century, which was Alyssa Tigerschild, the brilliant marketing marketing leader at Anlisha Bush and Beth, who our LinkedIn profile is very proud of who she was, what she was, not who she was. She's proud that she's a woman, but she had that in her bio saying she's the first woman in the position at the company. And then videos of her came out where she's saying that, oh yeah, this is a Freddy image. We don't like that. And in course, in true hypocritical fashion, pictures of her leaked in which she was drinking Bud Light or presumably some type of low quality beer from a prophylactic, which again, kind of shows the Friday lifestyle she was a part of. And then they thought it'd be brilliant to say, hey, even though you have to be 21 to buy a product, let's hire Dil Mulvaney, who this person's average viewer on TikTok is about 15 years old. And in terms of cultural controversies, this person is a trans activist. And even the trans community is controversial because this person has not had the surgery, which some of them claim you do or do not need. So controversy in a controversy in a controversy, which sure as hell actually alienated everyone, left, right, center. So they had the business blunder of the century losing 30% of their sales on average, week over week, by dollar amount. By volume, it's usually between 26 and 27%. It's so bad, their fiscal Q2 results were $400 million just vanished. Just $40 million in sales is gone compared to the same fiscal quarter last year. And given the sales trends that we've been seeing, I don't think that trend is going to turn around anytime soon. So. They're trying to think, how can we win back customers? 
Do we address the elephant in the room or the Dylan Mulvaney in the room? Or do we just kind of lean in and try to do the same old thing by sponsoring sports balls events and country music shows and have cliched videos of America, which people used to believe we were authentic. That debate is in and of itself because they're also Belgian based now because Anheuser Busch is part of Anheuser Busch in Bev. And of course, the Belgium, while they do make great rifles and presumably waffles, some people don't appreciate the fact that this American company is now part of a global business. So they're saying, well, now it's a Belgian company. Now, it looks like Bud Light, they're, trying to re they're actually going to replace Modelo, which, again, in terms of a business strategy for Bud Light, that's their biggest competitor right now, Modelo, supplanted them for the number one beer by sales. Again, Bud Light had that position for 20 years, and they thought, we got to change things up. You know what? We're, that DEI score is pretty important. All these these ESG scores, that's important. We're Instead of our current customer base, we're going to focus on the 20-year plan, which, again, with demographics in the United States, it might be a financial, really prudent decision, but what do you do in the interim, and is that trend going to reverse? Is that trend variable? Is that going to be consistent? trend in terms of demographic changes in the United States. And subsequently, I think, I don't think that was really their long-term plan because they fired many people associated with this particular marketing initiative. And again, so it caused a lot of negative short-term ramifications. And I subsequently don't think it'll get better anytime soon. Now, it looks like Modelo had been the partner of UFC since 2017. And again, I think Modelo has like a tagline or something where like the, the fighting spear or something along those lines. And again, in terms of market share and protest, if you're against Anheuser Bush and Bev and you are in the United States, you can guilt-free buy a Modelo. I suggest a Yangling since they're still based in the United States, owned by a family, longest brewery in existence. But in terms of Modelo, the United States are part of a separate business entity known as Constellation Brands. If you're in another country and you buy a Modelo, then yes, Anheuser Bush and Bev does own it and you are helping them. So if you're partaking or not partaking the boycott appropriately, a little bit of a little bit of extra information for you. Now, the deal that they say is well into the nine figures and is the largest mixed martial arts promotion in history. That's according to another source of the matter when they were speaking with CNBC. And there's rumors that it's about $100 million, which is a huge amount of money. Don't get me wrong. Now, they say that with the deal, Anheuser Bush is attempting to reestablish its ties to the organization. To have perceived conservative, they can, and they say that UFC is more conservative, which I would probably venture to say so. There's not a lot of trophies giving out just for participating in the sport of the UFC. And you have to kind of, I know it's a rare word. If you're, I'm sorry, depending on what school you are, if you're part of the public school institution, you might have to dust off a dictionary to learn this word called merit, in which you get something based on your actual results, not just showing up. Now, it looks like purportedly UFC CEO Dana White had donated at least $1 million to Presidential Action Committee that supported Donald Trump's 2022 presidential campaign. And Trump actually appeared at a couple of UFC events earlier this year. Now, Anheuser Bush apparently had teamed up with UFC all the way back to 2008. But in 2017, that was when the company actually took the deal with Modelo to be the official big sponsored beer of the actual event. And of course, I just still can't believe Dana White would let this happen. Now, don't get me wrong. In terms of business, the UFC did merge with WWE, or they're bought out by each other. So now they're one corporate entity. So perhaps they just need some quick cash. And again, in terms of branding and sponsorships, it's pretty easy money. You just slap a logo on the ring, and voila, you're the official beer sponsor of this particular sporting, well, I was going to say, 
instead of a sports balls game, this is more of a, well, actual more of a gladiatorial experience or gladiator experience, I might say. Oh, it's a little disappointing they don't have weapons yet. Perhaps UFC 2.0? Dana White, give me a call. I might have an idea here. But now, nevertheless, it looks like when asked for comment, Anheuser-Busch CEO Brennan Whitworth and former CIA operative, he said, quote, Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light have always been cut on the cutting edge of iconic sporting mo moments that fans remember forever, and reuniting with the UFC is a continuation of the industry-leading legacy, unquote. Well, they certainly lead the industry by giving Dil Mulvaney that can with Dil Mulvaney's face on it, celebrating what Dil Mulvaney claimed was 365 days of womanhood. Now, that can should be in a museum in terms of historical provenance. Destroying a, it's never, I can't think of a marketing campaign, let me know in the comments, that has so single-handedly destroyed the reputation of a company and destroyed and eviscerated their sales. Again, in one quarter, $400 million, gone. About $28 billion in stock evaluation erased. And it's not getting better anytime soon, even if they're sponsoring this event. Now, the UFC is now again part of the new holding company called TKA Group Holdings, and they claim to reach audience of more than 100, 700 million fans. And they claim that the partnership grants Bud Light visibility to about estimated 900 million TV households in more than 170 countries. Now, Dana White's oh, he actually commented, a part of me almost was wondering, and again, it the odds are not in my favor in terms of my theory or thought, but I almost thought he may have not had anything to do with this, or maybe it was made without his knowledge, but that was naive to say the least. He's been the face of USC for decades. He helped turn the company around. He has business brilliance, to say the least, in terms of his accomplishments. Now, when asked for comment, he said, and again, this is Dana White, Quote, Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light were UFC's original beer sponsors more than 15 years ago. I'm proud to announce we're back in business together, unquote. He continued to say, quote, There are many reasons why I choose to go with Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light. Most importantly, because I feel we're very... He... I almost... I can't fathom what he just said, so I have to restart what it, his quote is. So yeah, this is Dana White, which many people perceive as an entrepreneur and badass who stays out of politics. He ducked... He wants the UFC to just be apolitical, non-controversial, just pure raw sports and merit. He doesn't do any of the race baiting stuff. He's very straightforward and articulate with his wording. And somehow these words left his mouth. So I will reset the quote. From Dana White, quote, There are many reasons why I choose to go with Anna Bush and Bud Light. Most importantly, because I feel we are very aligned when it comes to our core values and what the UFC brand stands for on quote i mean not just the act of the sponsorship but that one that quote could be the quote blunder of the day let me know if you think that should be a thing but again historically speaking the usc wants to stay away from controversy they want to build their brand why not take a risk on someone like a yangling which again is still fam the oldest family-owned brewery in the united states i mean don't get me wrong i don't know if they have the fiscal financial capital to do allocate to such a marketing event I don't, again, the rumor is $100 million. That's a big chunk of change. And Anheuser Bush, even though they have lost about 30% of their sales for the Bud Light brand in particular, for that one, they, Budweiser, that's about 12% down in sales. They're still a multi billion dollar company. And they're trying to dig their ways out of this hole. I'm so shocked. Let me know. I, I can't help but think this is just going to hurt both their reputations. And we talk about if you're watching the full show, you notice that when we were talking about the particular tweet in which Bud Light announced his partnership, an overwhelming majority of the tweets were pejorative. They're all making fun of the UFC. The UFC was getting dragged down with Bud Light. And of course, many of the comments were also viscerally 
laughing at and ridiculing Bud Light as they continue to just ignore the elephant or the Dylan in the room. And it's just, the, it, it's almost unfathomable. So I guess let me know in the comments, are you surprised that Dana White approved this and he said that? And then do you think it's actually going to increase their sales? I mean, again, this is anecdotal evidence from that one instance in which we saw the relationship or consumer input where we saw the tweet from Bud Light. Everyone on that particular instance was, I think it was one, or, there's no, no, I specify, there's two positive comments. One was apparently from a real person. One had the personality of a robot or just has robotic activities reposting stuff. But in that experience, everyone was roasting the two companies. So again, in terms of a company that's, again, is supposed to stand for, you know, being, as youth might call it, badass or, you know, a, a merit-based, uncontroversial sport of the USC. And they chose the most controversial beer company on the planet. I mean, it's been, April 1st is when they had that business blunder of the century with Del Mulvaney. And it was not a joke. Well, it turned their sales into a joke. But it's all this is where, of all the brands to choose, I can't think of one that would damage a company more than this. So, needless to say, choosing Bud Light as the official beer of the UFC, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. I know we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, leaving a comment helps me make the channel better and better with your input. Even critical feedback is highly appreciated because I like to say that's how you grow the most. And also, liking the video lets me know I'm on the right track as well. Also, and lastly, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.